We will have the com- uh, the old commissioner, the ex-commissioner of the NBA. Is he there? All right, we welcome him in now, as a matter of fact. One of the, I get asked all the time, the top interviews of the 30 years, the, from Mike and the Mad Dog to myself, and I always list two guys. I always say because they were uh, very informational, but also because they were curmudgeonly and a little cantankerous, so they were fun. And one was George Young, the giant general manager. The other was the... Uh, Commissioner of longtime commissioner of the NBA, and that of course David Stern, who joins us now, uh, Mr. I commissioner. You, how are you? I heard, you called me the old commissioner. The old, you are ex commissioner. Come on, Excuse Mike. Me. The, the former, the former commissioner, oh, the commissioner ex. emeritus. That's I mean, it. A little Not more old. dignity. That is true. That is true. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm you know when I when I was asked to come on, I said, of course I'm going to come on. You were one of they, the great guests ever. You were always wonderful. We had a lot of great debates. We had some fun. We uh, you were one of the really special guests in the history well, well, of the that's, program. That's because I had to defend myself. You <laughs> and uh, that other guy, I yes. forget his name. Yeah. Uh, you know, used to attack me all the time. A little bit, uh, a little without bit. Uh, justification, but it was. And you know, the shocking thing to me, I say this for your audience was a number of people of all professions that would always say to me, well, I heard you on Mike's show, and I would say, you have time to listen to that? What do you do? It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't you have a job? <laughs> and they would say, no, I was listening. I said, okay, good for, good for you and good for Mike. That's it. Very good for us, as a matter of fact, and good for you for your long day. How are you spending your days these days? I'm calling you from my office, uh, which is in a... You know, not at the NBA, and I'm uh, part. I I uh, work with startups, six or seven sports technology startups. I I work with. Uh, I'm a senior advisor to Greycroft Partners, which is a venture capital firm, and a senior advisor to PJT Partners, which is a investment banking firm led by Paul Taubman, who used to be co-president of Morgan Stanley. And uh, giving speeches, sort of other things, and and keeping busy. At, oh, and working for the uh, uh, technology, media, and uh, t- telephone part of uh, uh, of PricewaterhouseCoopers, the strategy group. So it's uh, I'm busier than I've ever been. But the phone doesn't ring at night. Which is nice, right? It's really nice. It's really nice. Tell me this, because you, you listen, you were uh, always uh, a very deep thinker. You always uh, were trying to be ahead of the curve, which you often were. Um, as you see this technology take hold, which you were ahead of the curve on, no question, uh, which we gave you a hard time about some of it, and you were always, clearly always, ahead of the curve. Always. Now listen, NBC did a good job promoting you guys for many years. They really did. Because let's go back to that. You took over a league where the games weren't even on. They were not even on live television in the championship right. games. They were on delayed television, which no one, I tell them that now, they cannot believe that was true, that the league was in that position and with the star power that you had with Larry and Magic and then a kid in Chicago, I can't remember his name, all of a sudden it all came together and the league took off. But it really, uh, you had a lot, of, a lot of heavy lifting to do in those early years. Yes, and we're actually indebted to ACBS for having carried us. Yep. And NBC and Dick Ebersole for taking us to the next level. In terms of, you know, must-see TV was a place where they were able to promote on Thursday night. Sure, that great lineup, yes. The upcoming yes. game on, 
on Sunday. And so we had a great run there. And then we were really beneficiaries of the digital revolution and uh, globalization. How much impact did you have even before you became Commissioner in 84 in terms of the advent of the salary cap? I know you were there. I know you were there with O'Brien. I know you were there behind the scenes. When did the salary cap, which obviously revolutionized things, when did it first becomes someone's th- come into someone's head. The salary cap actually was an idea that Angelo Drosos, who was the owner of the San Antonio Spurs, had been proposing and demanding from the players for years. And the players, Larry Fleischer in particular, and this is when I was executive vice president, right. general counsel, etc., would say to him, "Are you crazy? You know, you're going to have to, you know, you have to lock us out for a hundred years if you think you're already going to get that from us." And then at the same time, back then, uh, the guy who was head of the NFL Players Association, I guess it was Ed Garvey. Yeah, Ed Garvey, right? Absolutely. Proposed to the NFL owners that they should share revenues with the players give the players a percentage of the revenues. And the owners were so afraid of that notion that they locked out Garvey and virtually broke the union in the NFL when they had that lockout and hired other people. I whispered in Larry Fleischer's ear, I guess in the early 80s, I said, Larry, why don't we, you know, why don't I propose that we have a salary cap and why don't you propose that we should do that if if we'll share revenue with you so that everyone will be mad at that proposal? And Larry said to me, is that a lunch? He said, that's nah, too early, David, but we'll, you know, let's see what happens. And about a year later, we're demanding a salary cap, and we're going ahead, and he says, well, would you share revenues? <laughs> and I said, "Up, oh, we did it. We did it." And so we went. Larry and I went away, and we came up with a salary cap in return for a share of the revenues, which it really became pretty much part and parcel of uh, you know the, uh, the, the, the of us of yes. the NFL and yes. the NHL. No question. Um, and uh, with all of its attendant issues, because the interesting thing. Is whenever anyone complains to me, oh my God, the new TV deal, the players are going to make so much because the salaries keep going up. And I say, oh, I suppose you would rather that the owners got the money. That's it. Basically, that's it. Someone's got to get it. That's it. You know, you're I dividing the we... revenue. And, you know, right. the right. idea that everyone, I guess, had to come to, to, uh, really come to the middle on was the idea that the players and the owners are partners. That's exactly right. It's it's actually a unique concept in its own way because in every other business, let's say you're negotiating in the automobile industry, the 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 uh, employees get their contract, they get promised a certain wage, and everything else goes to ownership, right. the shareholders. Yep. And we wound up with a system that's under some stress and has its ups and downs where the employees actually uh, get a percentage of the gross without any risk to the expenditures that are necessary to 
achieve that growth. And so that's why in the last couple of negotiations when I was commissioner, the the amount given to the players, you know, sort of stabilized at 50%. And that's a pretty good deal for both sides. It's yielded very, very large salary increases, and it's yielded a certain promise of profitability that has resulted in the a rise in, in, in franchise prices. So w- watching it from a distance, I'm having a lot of fun uh, and really enjoying the success that Adam Silver uh, and the NBA are having both digitally and globally and just the appreciation that there is for our players. And the uh, I, I read someplace that, uh, you know, LeBron was the seventh most uh, globally retweeted tweet. And that gives me... That gives me a kick. Oh, no question. I mean, and really, that was part of your... You you wanted to make these players stars, and clearly, the NBA players, they're on a first-name basis. I mean, really, more than the other athletes, they... The younger kids understand them, and I think part of it's the sneakers is a big part of it, I mean, and that's that, and the marketing of that, but they know these players by a first-name basis. You hear that, and that's something that has become a big part of the NBA marketing. Yeah, but I'm a I'm a I'm an old fashioned fan. You know, there was Magic, there was Larry, there was Wilt, there was Elgin. Yep. There was Dr. J. So so really we've always been very, very lucky to have star power. But now I guess whether it's millennials or Generation Z or what have you, our players are very much in the sweet spot. And they're in the sweet spot in a global way, so that's really very exciting. For you know, uh, we're talking about, uh, of course, the legendary commissioner David Stern, uh, who has always been a big part of the show. And I had Adam on recently, and I was thinking about this. There is so many. There's always issues in every league. We know that uh, now. The different issues. They might be cultural. They might be different. But you went through so much upheaval. I mean, I think about. Uh, I looked it up. Seven. New teams, six relocations. I mean, now things are very stable. I didn't want to get into how many work stoppages. I mean, you went through a time where there was a lot. I mean, there was tumult in these leagues. I, there I really like was. To, I like to think of them as growing pains. <laughs> you know, uh, because it it, it really, uh, if you're if you've been around long enough, you could see it against sort of the the, the measurement over time of what happens and. And so many of us grew up as litigators when the players and the owners were just suing each other. But then it turned to, to much more of a partnership type. Um, and and that was a very good thing. And uh, it puts the right focus on how you have to work together to grow the game. I actually, you know, when people say to me, were you there at that game of a particular game? I remember... A whole different set of issues than someone who gets to go to games. So, you know, I remember Magic Johnson. Right. I remember remember Latrell Sprewell. I remember Ron Artest. Oh, the Knicks suspensions. I remember the Knicks. And by the way, the real fans still do. You you cost us the championship. Oh, they well. still they've never gotten over that one. Right, never right, gotten over that one. You would have had, you know that's right. But or the but lottery, the, the whole idea of the Ewing lottery being fixed, which has been gone. Yes. Uh, that's yes. got ur, that's urban legend. The the next lottery, urban legend, urban no, legend. So absolutely. It's, so it's really you know, but it's uh, right now. I'm just enjoying the fact that Adam, who worked with me for 20 years, 
is uh, you know is doing such a great job and having such a good time. Think so about that. You had Adam and his, his, and you had Adam with you. How many years? Twenty. How long has he worked? Twenty-one for you? years, I think. And how long did Bettman work for you before he became commissioner? Twelve. That's pretty good. And that's He's a, already been. I just spoke to him. I said, I can't believe it. The, the Toronto Star is interviewing me about your twenty-fifth anniversary. He was just that's, in here. Twenty-five years. Think about that. That is not that possible. Is, it, it really is amazing when, when you think of it. We're talking with David Stern. Um, when you sat back and thought about this league. Is this what you envisioned? No. I didn't have a plan. It was just that we were going to get through the day and take advantage and make decisions based upon opportunities that confronted us. How could I have a vision of an Internet which didn't exist. No, not that part. I just mean in terms of where the league is right now. Well, you know, we hope to be successful, but how you define success changes. No question. I mean, you and I are sitting here reading the newspaper that says that Disney is negotiating with Fox over $60 billion worth of assets, including the regional sports networks. Whether that happens or not, how could you imagine that? You could not. Not the amount of money. Uh, or, or imagine that. Or, what, the, yes. or the shift in what's going on. Or the, you know, or the success that ESPN has had. Or the, you know, the decrease in subscribers that they're undergoing. It's, uh, it's really just a very dynamic time. And what people are learning is that sports really does lead the way sometimes in having people focus on what's new. And it's a it's a great possibility. Talking with David Stern, uh, the whole gambling issue, uh, it's a different one than it was. It's almost one that uh, we can see. Now, you're a lawyer. Which way does the Supreme Court go, first of all? Do they go for the Christie or do they go for the NCA? You know, it's hard for me to imagine that they took the case without trying to cause some trouble. <laughs> so they already knew they wanted to go state, is what you're saying. Right, or something like that. Okay. But I think they, I, I don't know what the outcome can be, but I am quite worried because I don't think states have done a particularly good job of regulating anything. So you want to see this be you want to see it be federal if it's going to happen. You'd rather well, see a federal. Well, I would plan. rather I would rather, you know, for example, I watch and I read I read the sports pages. This commission forgot to have a doctor at ringside or that commission allows a horse that's suspended in a neighboring state to run right. or a jockey that's set down. It's it's a joke really. And what I think you need is something that says this is the way it's going to be regulated. And they should give the sports leagues the opportunity to say yes or no. They can opt in or not. And the states do the same thing. But then when they all do that, you're all dealing with a uniform system, state by state, without forcing on anybody or making anybody be part of it. I think, this, I think the, first of all, I do think they'll win. I agree with you. Secondly, I do think the federal government will be involved, and I think the leagues will be involved. I think it's something that's going to happen. I think that's the, they think there's going to be too much money to pass up, and I, I think everybody feels it's just uh, the next big wave of uh, money. And I'm not sure the money will be as big. I don't think the money actually will be as big as they think it will be. I've always felt that because you well, can't give credit. That's the reason why he'll never put the guy on a corner out of business because he gives credit. Wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, people are, gonna f- are going to probably file their credit cards 
Right. Which was but there'll they be a maximal now. use. There'll be a maximum use, I think. Okay. Okay. So I think it's going to be closer than you think. Yeah, you and do. You th- so you think the money will be larger than maybe I yeah, think. Yeah. Okay. Listen, listen. I don't want to be political. I just hope I'd rather they took that money and gave us back the deductibility of our state income taxes and our property taxes. <laughs> yeah, that would okay. be nice. For those of us who live in New York State. They, I, they, don't I think about would... that, yes. <laughs> yeah. None of us are going to be living in New York State. when it's going to come to. Well, that you guys are lucky enough to be. You can talk from any place. You, your, your specialty is talking. <laughs> it doesn't me, matter where you live. Uh, you can do whatever you do from any place either. You know that? Uh, yeah, from any you're, place. You're, you're right. You're right. But I'm not going any place. Uh, I'm, well, I'm a New Yorker. As, no. you can, as, as those of your those of your listeners can tell from my voice, and I'm you know what, so am I. To be honest with you, even if they even if I can't deduct my state income tax, I'm still a New Yorker. I have to admit. Uh, no, so, but yes. you're gonna move to some place where you can finally get to see a WNBA game. I know you. I still never been. How do you feel about about how do you feel about the Garden selling the the WNBA? I thought of you when they put the team up for sale. I said, boy, David wouldn't like this. No, that's okay. They've been in this for 21 years. They're allowed to to move an asset if they'd like to. That's a good thing. It'll go for a good price. And in a funny kind of a way, the reason the teams are moving to individual ownership as opposed to team ownership, the WNBA teams, is that when you have an organization selling one ticket for $1,000 and the seller is commissioned and one ticket for 25 you can get an idea which ticket will get more attention. No question. And also, they shouldn't play in the garden. It's too expensive to open. They should play in another building. I'm not going to negotiate their deal for them, but I have no doubt that the garden will be reasonable in negotiating the lease. Oh, okay. Maybe you're. Maybe uh, you must know more about it than than I do. Are you? Are you? Do you feel the WNBA's been what you would dreamed it would be? Has it been as successful? Yes. Yes. They have the same attendance that the NBA had at the same stage. It's really it's the only it's the only women's league. You know, soccer is now in its third league. Hockey has tried and failed, but they're back again. There was slow pitch, fast pitch women's baseball, even a women's football league. Uh, the WNBA is the gold standard on a global basis, and it will just continue to grow. We're talking with David Stern. What do you What are you most proud of in your whole uh, stewardship of the NBA? What are you most proud of? I'm most proud of where our NBA players are on the scale of celebrity importance and viability. You know, I think it's fair to say that when the days that you're sort of speaking about in the, quote, old days, if there was a basement to the celebrity pyramid, NBA players um, lived in it. Uh, And now they're at the top of the pyramid, and they have responded so well in social matters, in social responsibility, in setting great examples for kids and the like. Sure, there are occasional lapses, but but we went through a period of significant uh, derision uh, based upon some of the actions of our players. And I think working with the players uh, and the league and the owners and the teams, we've seen a complete turnaround to the point where fans realize and governments realize that sports has this enormously outsized role to play and you have to have responsibility helping them play it i was i was laughing you'll appreciate this there was a conference about two years ago at the vatican 
religion and sports. Was there really? Yeah, yeah. And two things strike me. One is, I said, well, the Pope's catching up. Uh, <laughs> but but two, they hired a former NBAer to help sell sponsorships for the next conference. How about that? <laughs> so, Everything has to make a dollar. You know that. Well, it has to be funded. But all that I'm, everyone knows that sports is the place where the world engages in important conversations. And that's and our players participate in that, whether it's the issue of race, which it has always been, or HIV-AIDS, which Magic headlined, or hunger, or child abuse. I think that sports leagues have an enormous, and individual players have an enormous role to play in bringing those to public attention and helping to find solutions. Talking with the uh, former commissioner of the uh, NBA, David Stern, the longtime commissioner whose uh, tentacles now you know, are to his successor and to the NHL commissioner, which we mentioned, both his uh, former aides, uh, the comp, as a matter of fact, as he went through these many years uh, in this league. Is there one thing now, and this is one that you probably won't jump on, but is there one thing now that troubles you about the league? Anything you'd like to change or, or tweak? No, I, I tell you what, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's in great shape, and I wouldn't uh, touch it. I think that the tweaking that is being done is addressing everything. I think the uh, the extended schedule, which means no more four out of five games, uh, cutting down on the back-to-backs, that's a good thing. The dialogue with the NCAA and others about what to do with the so-called one-and-done, uh, I think that, and the experiment with new technology, whether it's virtual reality or other things that have happened, it's all good. It's all fun to watch. So, uh, and do you like uh, do you like the game? Do you still do you still get to see a lot of the game? Do you watch it a lot? I, I watch it a lot, and I and and of course, to watch what the players and coaches of teams have learned over the years. Remember, I was there when, as a, I think, general counsel, I don't remember what, when the three-point shot was put in, it was put in to enable teams to catch up. If to they catch were down up, absolutely, to make a comeback. But the statistical, uh, you know, the statistical reality yep. that, that the uh, a three-point shot is in effect, over-rewarded compared to a two-point shot became something that everyone was aware of. So now you've got players who can make 40% from three feet beyond the three-point line. That's tremendous to me, and they can do it. They can't be guarded if they do that, and even if they can be guarded, watching Clay Thompson and Steph Curry... And their release, it's just changed the perception. Johnny is now going out into the backyard and shooting threes. He's not trying to dunk. No question. The three has changed the game. And there's two things I would say about that. Number one, you're right. The three has changed the game completely. And number two, in my lifetime, I said this, I was just saying this to someone the other day. In my lifetime, the most amazing transformation of a franchise is Golden State. That franchise was a nightmare. And yeah. look what it has become. It has become a yes. worldwide force. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was I, I smiled because I was there back in the day 
when Sleepy Floyd dropped 40-some-odd points against the Lakers in a playoff game. I think it was the first year that I was commissioner, so that must have been, I'm guessing it was the 84-85 season and it was in the playoffs. The fans deserved the turnaround because they've been great fans from the beginning. Yeah, and go back to the days of, uh, who was it, uh, Molzoff? Was that his name, the guy with the beard? Molzoff was the guy years and years ago who was out there? No, Franklin Muley. Muley, that was it. Muley, excuse me, that was him. That's yeah, right. yeah, come on, you're forgetting. Yeah, I got know. the wrong guy. Mol- Muley, that's it. Franklin Muley, that's the uh, guy. Actually, yeah. I was in the room when the NBA went to a three-point shot. Franklin, who was a lovely guy, said, he said, uh, this is just putting another earring on the pig. I had never heard that expression before. And he said, and if you, if you vote this in, I'm never returning to a board meeting. Did he return? He, ne- he never returned. He never returned? He never returned. Well, who was the owner? We're talking with David Stern, the, uh, the former commissioner. Uh, commissioner Emeritus, he prefers. Um, okay. Who was the owner who you would say all these years later was the guy who really just was the E.F. Hutton, who when he spoke, he said things that were just incredibly prophetic. Was there a guy uh, who was just ahead of his time? Yeah, it was Jerry Buss. Oh, it was, huh? Yeah. I mean, Jerry Buss repriced the league, number one. He said, you people don't understand. You're selling waterfront property, but you're not selling it. You're giving it away. And people uh, began saying, he's crazy, he's going to go out of business, he's charging too much money for the tickets. And then in an act of what was considered lunacy, he gave Magic Johnson a million dollars a year. (laughs) A million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which caused you know some owners to sell their teams. This place is, (laughs) i got to get out of here. And on top of that, Jerry always voted as a league man. Never uh, for the Lakers. And to the credit of the Lakers and the Knicks, the, the getting a salary cap required them to give up an advantage that they had. And each of them did. Give them credit for that. And, you, and they deserve credit for that. No. There were many great owners who were league people through and through, like an A. Poland, right? Of course, or a Larry Poland. Miller, right. or a, or a Bill Davidson. But but the the Knicks and Lakers were called upon to do more and to give up bigger advantages. And uh, and Jerry was a leader in every respect. Did you have a player? That maybe listen. We know you love all your players, but did you have a yeah. player you had a warm spot for? Was there a player that you just uh, had? It, that, you, like I asked John Wooden once. I said, "Did you have a favorite player?" He goes, "Yes." He says, "You know, Mike Warren was my favorite player. I wear his uniform when I work out. I wore his jersey top. He was the guy I felt most a kinship to out of all my players." Was there a player you had a kinship with? Yeah, Magic. Magic. Okay. I mean, Magic, Magic made me believe that he would have played the game for nothing. Even in his late years? When he's smiling and making, having fun. But most of all, because when he announced in 1991 that it was HIV positive, everybody knew he was going to die. Except magic, <laughs> right? And, and he didn't. No, he which didn't. is so when will, you think about it. I remember that day. A, I yes. still get goosebumps when I'm in his presence and give him a hug. You know, he. You think about 
that day and how everybody felt, and then how that first All-Star game and would players go on the court with him and all the different stuff, and think about where he is now, and it's utterly remarkable what he, and and he put a he put a real live celebrity face on that disease, which was unbelievable. He transformed it. He changed the perception. People don't understand this day that when Magic announced he was HIV positive, it was the front page of every newspaper in the world. In the world, yeah. And it enabled us to have discussions that had to be have as a globe, particularly as a country. So I, you know, I mean, there were... You know, I was really going to say Harry Gallatin, but that would tell you how old I was. I, I always going to say that, Howard Comives. I always knew that Harry the Horse was better than Bill Russell, and I used to tell <laughs> Russell that all the time. But no, but Magic was just, you know, transformational. Really? And, uh, you know, that's. And that's, who was your consensus maker as an owner? You have to have one guy who could get the other guys in in the room to vote. Was there one guy who was your consensus maker? Who was your go to guy? Well, a lot. Well, I think Abe Poland was a very helpful as a consensus maker because everyone knew that Abe was a league guy. And, and was it would, w- was that an art form to get him to when you needed to take him in one direction? That, that, no, that, they were. That was I did that. Uh, that was a solo. We, you, you never go into a meeting without knowing where you're coming out. <laughs> oh, you knew that going in. Okay, uh, always. You, yeah, and, but there were you, you. You picked your spots, but. Uh, you know, I once had someone say to me, you should never let your owners yell at you. And I said, they could yell at me as much as they want, as long as they do what I ask them to do. <laughs> and was there was there ever a time where they really didn't, where you couldn't get them to budge on a, the on a subject? The only time they did it was at my expense. Like, we would put up some ridiculous resolution that says uh, you can't retire a number between 0 and 10 or something in the competition, and, I'd, and I would recommend that, and they'd say, no, 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 and they'd vote like 30 to nothing to smack me down on something so important <laughs> about whether you could retire a number. But on everyone else, I think they understood that the group of people that were surrounding me, that were in charge of events and collective bargaining and marketing and growth were working like people work you know, if it's their own business. And so they always gave us a wide latitude to to do what we recommended that they do. That's who all. was the guy who came to you and said to you, listen, how would you like to be commissioner? Was it an owner or was it the ex-commissioner? Uh, was it your boss? Was it was it O'Brien or was it, a, uh, was it an owner? It was an owner. It was an owner. It was Dick Block, who was the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Did you Dick say Dick yes up. immediately? Uh... Well, he wasn't able to promise it. He said, would you be considerate? I said, I would consider it. I'm still quite friendly with Sam Battistone, who owned Utah. And we joked because he was the person who came in to tell me that the owners had elected me in 1983. So it was, uh, it's, uh, it was a good time. <laughs> we had, you know, I, this is one for your fans. Go ahead. I was the 24th employee of the NBA. The 24th? Right. Is that amazing? And how many employees are there now? Oh, uh, I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't want to blow it. You have offices it. in like 12 countries, Adam. right? The owners might not know how many people that were. I'm guessing it's between 12 and 1,300 with 13 offices probably or 10 to, 10 to 13 offices outside 
the U.S. Remarkable. Well, listen, uh, we could do this all day, but I, I, I've taken enough of your time. Listen, I appreciate you. You were one of the great guests we ever had on the show, no, and it's yeah. always a pleasure to have you on, you, really. You owned New York. Well, and thank you. Well-deserved, and uh, you will, will stay in touch. And thank you. I'll, I'll continue to bust your chops as long as you decide to hold the microphone. Thank you very much. Good all to talk to you, David. Thank you. Good health. All right, you too. David Stern, the legendary commissioner, back after this.